couple of weeks ago, we spoke to our graduates, and I want to continue that discussion this morning because this is in that graduation season, and, and uh, coming up this Friday night is graduation, and so we want to, con- again, congratulate our seniors and, and uh, those that want to be seniors, so there'll be those younger ones coming up. But uh, the graduation is an interesting experience. Um, it is one that is a moment in time, and then after graduation comes living the real life. And, uh, and it's important that when we do that, that we understand that there are basics involved. And I want to go this morning, I want to go back to the basics a little bit. We started with the basics last, when we talked about graduates last uh, couple weeks ago, talking about salvation and the very, experience, uh, the very importance of it is to going back to the basics. And, and there was one man, I think, that really exempl- exemplified basics. Larry, if you could throw that photo up, please. Um, you might recognize this man. Um, this is Coach Vince Lombardi, and uh, Coach Lombardi uh, would always have a time of, of basic talk with his, with his men, and uh, I want to quote what Vince said um, every season. He says, back in the days, Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers, had a most interesting pre, beginning to preseason training. All the players knew that at the first team meeting, the legendary coach would waste no time getting straight to the point. Many of the men, half Lombardi's age and twice his size, were openly fearful, dreading the encounter. The coach did not disappoint them, and in fact, he delivered his message in one of the great one-liners of all time. Football in hand, Lombardi walked to the front of the room, took several seconds to look over the assemblage in silence, held out the pigskin in front of him, and said, Gentlemen, this is a football. In only five words, Lombardi communicated his point. We're going to start off with the basics and make sure we're all executing all the fundamentals. Now understand the significance about that speech is that this is not a coach talking to beginning football players. These are professionals. All of these men at this point in time have been playing football for at least eight, ten years or more. Um, if they were starting in high school, they played four years of high school, four years of college, and then in the professionals. So that's at least eight years, and m- many of them were playing many years in the professional leagues. And every season, coach started off with fundamentals. And likewise, every Christian needs to constantly be aware of the fundamental basics of our Christianity. And uh, we need to never get to the point that we think we're beyond that. The moment that we think we're beyond the basics, the fundamentals, is the time that we're ripe and we're primed for disaster. So it's time that every once in a while it's good to come back to the fundamentals of life. And and that's kind of where high school graduates need to understand that as well. So uh, congratulations, graduates. You've graduated. Now it's time to get on with life. Now it's time to get on to the basics. And let's talk about that a little bit. bit. Um, The real work of being a Christian does not happen at the moment of salvation. Just like the, the work of being a graduate does not happen at graduation ceremony. The work happened before, and it's going to continue to happen after. The graduation ceremony itself is a great opportunity. It's a great thing to enjoy, but it doesn't take any work on the graduate's part to graduate. All of that happened before and after. And the same thing with our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 1 through 9, Jesus talks to us about salvation, and he talks to us in this passage written by Paul to the Ephesian church that salvation is a free gift. And it is something that God gives to all men, and it is available to all men. 
It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, this is the work part here that God did for us through Jesus Christ. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And I say all of that for this last verse. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So here, all the work done prior to our moment, of, our, our moment of salvation is not done by me or done by you, it's done by Jesus. All the work that was required to bring salvation so that it becomes a free gift to us was by God. And now we have the opportunity of salvation, which would be our graduation point, and then we then have to move on into living out our salvation. So all the work that was done for us by God's grace, not by works, so that we cannot boast, it's all done so that now we can begin the work of living. We have to live out our salvation. And this may take some discipline, and it may cause us to stand alone at times, and it might cause us to even sacrifice every once in a while, and it might even hurt. Salvation is free. It's a free gift, but the living out of it takes work, and it takes time, and it takes effort. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, tells us why we call it work. Paul says to the, to the church in Philippi, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here it is, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now this verse can be misleading to some, and it's misleading in our society because the very common understanding is that salvation is free and it should always be free. And it shouldn't require anything of me. But that's not what the Bible says. Salvation is free, and it is a free gift. However, the living out of salvation takes work. It takes effort. And I want to be very careful here that I don't want anyone to think that I'm in any way saying that we earn our salvation. We do not earn our salvation. The salvation is a free gift. But it is something that takes work, and it, only, it, it takes effort on our part to apply the shed blood of Christ that he gave to us. I have a little video that I want to run. This is from Vince Lombardi. Again, I think it's worth it because it gives us the effort. And what, what you'll see in this, Larry, you can go ahead and cue that up if you would. What you'll see is this, is that what Coach said to football players, we also say to Christians. So let's listen to this, and hopefully we can get through this without uh, the Internet's been working slow. We'll see if it loads up. If it, uh, if it doesn't work, then we'll take over from there. But let's watch it, Larry. Thanks. Excellence must be pursued. It must be wooed. 
with all of one's might and every bit of effort that we have. And each day there's a new encounter, each week there's a new challenge. And all of the display and all of the noise and all of the glamour and all of the color and all of the excitement and all of the rings and all of the money, these are the things that really linger only in the memory. But the spirit, the will to excel, the will to win, these are the things that endure. between men is not lack of strength, not lack of knowledge, but rather lack of will. But the new leadership is in sacrifice, it is in self-denial, it is in love, it is in loyalty, it is in fearlessness and humility, and it is in the perfectly disciplined will. This is not only the difference between men, this is the difference between great and little men. Thank you, Jim. So as Coach Lombardi said, that takes a lot of commitment, a lot of discipline, a lot of effort. And everything that he talked about there, could, it so easily, so quickly, and so nicely fits into a salvation and to a Christian life. Paul said that we are to continue to work out, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, those are a couple words here that don't seem to fit into our Americanized version of Christianity. What does fear and what does work have to do with us being a Christian? Let's think about that for a minute. Let's just work through those words a little bit. The first word, work, was in the Greek translated means to produce, accomplish, bring about, or to be committed. So when Paul says we are to work out our salvation, what he's saying is that we are to produce, accomplish, bring about, or be committed to the task of staying saved. Remember, our salvation is free. It's a gift that comes at the moment. But we are to live it out. The next day comes and we're to, to live out our salvation. Living a life for Jesus is a commitment of daily living. A commitment of making choices that we are to please Christ every day. And that we're purposely to choose the things within our ability to please Him. So that then we can be good examples to win others for Him. That's what it means to work out your salvation. It has nothing to do with earning your salvation and everything to do with living your salvation. It's so important that we understand that. It has nothing to do with earning, but everything to do with living. There's a big difference in those two words. As we work out our salvation in front of the world so that everyone can see us, everyone can see what we do. It's not doing it in secret. It's not lighting your candle and then putting a bushel over it like the, little, like the little song we used to sing in Sunday school is. It is living for Jesus in front of everybody. Everybody sees your authentic walk. Everybody sees how you are working out your salvation, how you are being committed to living a Christian life. That is working it out. And it's interesting how he uses the word work because work isn't always fun, is it? Work is not always easy, is it? Work takes effort. Work takes commitment. Work takes discipline. Just like those football players that Coach Lombardi was talking to, you don't become a professional football player by being lazy. You don't do it by just going to team dinners and eating a lot of food and then not doing anything. You do it by being disciplined and by, by, by being committed, by being a good student, by being a good um, work ethic. That's how you work out things. 
And that's exactly the same analogy that Paul is talking to us about, about how we are to work out our salvation. One commentary says this, While this may seem to suggest salvation by works, it is clear that Paul rejects such teaching. Paul means salvation in terms of progressively coming to experience all the aspects and blessing of salvation. So the working process is a progressive nature. It's a progressive thing. Every day I have to become saved over and over again. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean that I'm immoral or I've done bad things. It means every day I continue to live out my salvation in front of the world so that other people see my effort. Not to bring glory to me, but to bring glory to the Father as I'm working out my, my salvation. The second word that doesn't make any sense in, this, in our Americanized version of Christianity is fear. Where does fear of God have to do with fitting in with being a Christian? Why would I fear God? What is fear talking about here? Now, again, let's go back to the Greek. The Greek word for fear is phobos. And what it means is to have a reverent fear and awe, a fearful level of respect. Basically, go up to the biggest machinery you can think of, the biggest bulldozer you can think of, the big ones. I mean, the ones that you stand up to and, it, and the blade is probably three or four feet taller than you standing. And go up to that thing and watch that work. Go up to it as close as you can while it's pushing a pile of dirt, and then you could feel the power of that machinery. That gives you a sense of fear or awesome respect of the power of that big piece of machinery. Go down to New York City and go up to these big, tall skyscrapers, these big, tall buildings, and see how massive they are and how big they are and how little you are, and you have a level of respect for that building. Now, that's nothing compared to the level of respect that we have to have for God. But when we understand the awesome power that this God is, the awesome authority that he has, the awesome um, ability that he has to create with the spoken word all that he's created, and then to think that we are known by him, that is in the smallness of our life that we are still known by that God, that, is, that should give us a level of awesome faith fear, an awesome respect, not a fear like he's going to hurt me, but a fear that he owns me, a fear that there's nothing I can do to impact him, but he can do anything to impact me. That is an awesome fear. So when we put those words together, that we're to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, really what we can say is when we combine those definitions, we can combine it to say that we are to commit to live my life with a holy and reverential fear or respect or awe of God so that he will produce, accomplish, or bring about a lifestyle of choices, my choices, to please God and to draw others to him. So when I bring those fear and, 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 uh, and work words together, it makes sense in the perspective of how I'm supposed to live my life with that level of respect. And Paul says here that we are to do this every day. Another commentary says that, that it says that um, for Christians, Paul was writing to, they cannot be content with past glories, but need to demonstrate their faith day by day as they nurture 
their relationship with God. That's why it's an everyday thing. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new opportunity. Every day is a new level of commitment in my life. Every day is a new level of surrender in my life. Basically, what I was yesterday is only good for yesterday. Think about that. What I was yesterday is only good for yesterday, but what we are going to be today is a new choice. It's a new level of commitment that I have to make today. I can't live on yesterday's glories. I can't live on yesterday's excesses. As Coach Lombardi said, all the money, all the rings, he won five championships in seven years. All of that means nothing for the next day. That's all yesterday's stuff. And actually, that all becomes memories. It doesn't even become anything he can bank on. He can't take any of those to the future with him because they're all yesterday. And so our love for Jesus is based then on our love and our willingness to obey him for today. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Later on, a little bit further down in that same chapter, in verse 23 and 24, it says, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me, however, will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So do you want to know if you love Jesus? Do you want to know your proof? Do you obey him? You, you prove your love, really, to anyone, whether or not you respect them. You prove your love to your wife or to your husband by how you honor them. You prove your love to your children and to your grandchildren by how you serve them as parents and how you lead them and how you discipline them. We prove our love to God by how we obey him. We can say we love you, Jesus, but if we don't obey him, you're really not loving God, are you? If you're living in a life of sin, if you're living a life of of rebuke, then you're really not loving God because it says right here, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And that's Jesus speaking. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 4, through, through 4, it says, This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So here it is. I love God. I love Jesus. I obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. See, when I really love somebody, it's not work for me to please that person. When I really love my wife or she loves me, it's not work then for me to please Chris. It's not. It's joy. It's happiness because I know I'm bringing her a sense of fulfillment in that. So if I'm struggling in my Christianity, if I'm struggling in my living for Jesus, question yourself, do I really love him? Is there really a sense of love? Is there really a sense of fear and work and that, and that, and that, or that awesome respect of him? Because if I'm struggling in my ability to obey, then according to the word, then I really don't love him. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't love me. He loves me regardless of what I do. And that's a real blessing. That's a real, that's a real um, uh, level of peace that we can gain. But that love that God gives to me doesn't do anything for me unless I love him back. Does that make sense? And so much when we have to live our life for Jesus, so much of it depends upon what I do. 
And that's the thing that I think American Christianity has a problem with. Because they just want to say that we were loved by God and that's enough. But no, I have to work out my salvation. I have to work it out with fear and trembling. And when I do that, I will prove my love to God because I obey Him. And it's not a burdensome task, as we're told in 1 John. It is not burdensome. It is not a problem. In fact, that's where victory is at. The more I obey, the better I have a chance to be victorious in my life. What does victory bring? Happiness, joy, peace. Victory is not sadness. Victory is not a burden. Victory is the good things in life. And if I want to be victorious in my life, then I line my life up with Jesus, and I do what he commands, and it proves that I love him. And that is not a burden. So now if let's move on to graduation again. Let's talk about our commencement speaker. We always have commencement speakers at graduation, don't we? Well, in the life of a life of a Christian... Jesus is our commencement speaker. In our life of graduation, and this is the message that Jesus would be giving us if he was our commencement speaker. Every good commencement speaker leaves the class with a challenge, with a little bit of a, a, little bit of a work to do, a little bit of a call in their life. This is what Jesus would tell us at our, at our commencement or our graduation. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 18 through 20. And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. There's that word again. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here it is. This is what we're tasked to do. We're to go out and we're to win and make disciples of all peoples of all parts of the world. Now, for us, that's Charlevoix. For us, that's people in your community. That's people in your family. And then we are to teach them. And what are we to teach them? We're to teach them how we are working out our salvation because we're working it out in front of them. So we're to teach them how we obey Christ. So really, our best teaching method is our own life. Think of it this way. You're teaching them with your life, whether you realize it or not. Whether you realize it or not, your actions speak louder than your words. So you're teaching them. But what are you teaching them? Are you teaching them to obey Christ and therefore be victorious? Or are you teaching to make up your own way and to not obey Christ? There's a lot to be thought about right there. That's a big, that's a big one to chew on. Go home and think about that this afternoon. And, and think about what you're teaching people. As they're watching your life, what are you teaching? Because you are in teaching something. But what is it? See, and that's the thing that we're all going to be challenged with at the end of the day. When we draw our last breath here on earth, and when we get to that point of judgment, whatever that is for us, whether it's in heaven or hell, you, there will be the great, you will stand before God. Either, either as a Christian man you'll stand before God or as a sinner at the great right throne judgment you'll stand before God. And he will ask you then, what did you do with my son? What did you do with him? 
What kind of a teacher with you, were you with others regarding my son? See, we're all going to give an account to that. And that's another thing that our American society doesn't like to hear about. They don't like to hear about judgment. They don't like to hear that we're going to give an account. Because we like to be unaccountable. We like to be our own man, don't we? We like to be on our own and not have to think that, that we, we are accountable to anybody. And the biggest, enemy, the biggest lie the enemy gives us is that we are. That we are. In our society today, we account to nobody. In fact, God's judgment in our society doesn't happen very quickly. Most of the time, does it? In the early church, it did. In the Old Testament, it did. The early church, a great example is Ananias and Sapphira. When they came in to the early church giving, bringing their offering, they sold a piece of property. They came in and said they sold it for a certain amount of money. They lied. They kept some of the money, but they told, they told the, the early apostles that this was everything they had. Nobody knew besides the Holy Spirit. See, in that moment in time, and it would do good, quite honestly, I think, for our church today, if some of the same action would happen for us, we would begin to understand what it is to fear and reverence God. Because at that moment, and when the apostles said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit revealed to them that Ananias was not telling the truth. And at that moment, God struck him dead. I mean, dead. I mean, he fell down and died. Right then and there, he died. God exercises judgment immediately. As they were carrying him out, Sapphira comes in, his wife, same thing. She said, yep, that's what we sold it for. What happened to her? She died, just like that. See, God doesn't exercise his judgment in our society today like that. But if he did every once in a while, he might get, us, he might get our attention. Might he? <laughs> if somebody died in a church service, <laughs> it would get your attention. And I'm not, saying, I'm not suggesting that it should happen that way. But why, do we, why does it have to be that way? Why can't we just grasp it? When the Bible says it so clearly this morning, why can't we just grasp it? So as we close this morning, this, this is getting back to the basics. This is coming right back to, to Salvation 101. And that is that we are to love Jesus with all of our heart. You can come, Jackie. With all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. That is it. We're to love Jesus with everything that we have. We're to put him first with everything that we do. We're to recognize that and know that we are working out our salvation in front of people all the time. We are, we are an open book. We are transparent. People see us for what we are. And we will be held accountable for that. If we're, if we're not living up to godly standards... We will give accountability for that. We will give account for that. So here's the benefit of all, is that we have opportunity to change. So as we, as this, as we close this morning, I would just like all of us just to close your eyes this morning and, and just do a little self-evaluation and say, where am I at with this, Lord? Where am I at with it? Because now is the best time. Now is the time that I can evaluate my life. And I can say, am I doing what I need to do? Would I be a, a successful player on Coach Labardi's team? Am I a successful player on, the, on Christ's team? Am I giving my life? Am I giving my commitment? Am I giving my all? Am I really doing it? Am I really living it out? I know many times we, 
we rush through life because life is very hectic and very busy. But we must take care of our own issues first, folks. People, we really must have this understanding of who Jesus is in our life. We must understand the significance of putting him first. We must understand the significance of putting him at the center point of our life. Putting him in the middle where we revolve around him. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes commitment. But it's not burdensome. It's not burdensome. If we're really doing that because we love Jesus, it's not a burden. You may have to stand alone sometimes. You may not be the popular one in your class. You may have to stand alone on your job. But understand, when you're doing it because you love Jesus, it's not a burden. It's a joy. It's a pleasure. There's victory in that. There's respect in that. So this morning, as we go to our homes, I just want to leave you with that thought. I just want to leave you with that. If you want to come up and pray, the altars will be open. But I just want to challenge you as, the, as God, as Jesus, would be our commencement speaker today. He would challenge us with that. That we would obey everything that he has commanded us to do that we would go and make disciples of all nations. We'd baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then we would teach them to obey everything. Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that this call would be given to me in my life. Lord, that I would be able to satisfactorily answer the call. And I pray for every person that's hearing this word this morning, that they also would be challenged in their heart. Lord, when we can realize the significance and the honor that it is to live for you, when we can really truly recognize how awesome that is, how wonderful that is, then at that time, Lord, that our love would be true and pure before you and that we would prove our love to you, Father, through our obedience to you with joy, with peace, with patience, with endurance, with commitment and with positive results because we would be victorious in this life and beyond. Lord, give us the ability. Give us the ability. As your word says that you are with us and you will always be with us to the very end of the age and how quickly that is coming. Father, we trust you with that. We trust you. We lay, we lay our hands in your life and our, our life in your hands. And we trust you with that. Go with us today, Father, as we go to our homes. Prepare us, Father, for living out our salvation. Prepare us, Lord, as we move from graduation day into the next day. Help us to live our commitment every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're dismissed. If you want to pray, the altars are open. We'd love to pray with you and just to assure you in that. Have a great day today. Amen.